You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block Ripping up fantasy stock Working around the clock Look at the view from the top Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods, yeah One in particular, I'm just a messenger Let me just pass on the rock huh. Browning, brunning, bruning Pronouncing ain't what he's doing What he's doing is not losing But infusing you with new things And there's Dennis the Bennett Yeah the man is a menace, yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Slice a fox, cultured in pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box. And you cannot compare him at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Yeah. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Woo. Fantasy round table come take a look at the crown baby go hello and welcome to the halloween edition of the fantasy football roundtable podcast it's just like a normal podcast except for we look scarier today i think Ooh. you ready for uh, all hallows eve dennis you got your candy ready uh we don't get trick-or-treaters where i live kind of on a country road we actually took the boy, dropped him off at a neighborhood with one of his friends. We're going to pick him up later. Big Shorty, he doesn't trick-or-treat anymore. He's 17 years old. I've been waiting 17 years for this day. You know, I always get kind of excited when Halloween falls on a Monday because one of the most memorable football games I think I ever watched growing up was on a Halloween night. It was the Packers and the Bears. And it was in Soldier Field, and there was this hideous storm. And they basically, it was when Favre was still playing, they basically played the entire game like in the same 20-yard span because you couldn't really punt, you couldn't throw. I just remember sitting at home being fascinated by that, and then I moved someplace where we get that weather, and it's less fascinating. Right. When, you, when, you, when it pops up every year at the same time for about <laughs> six months, it's like, hey, this is not a novelty. No. It was California me. Well, we are going to take a look at what was another wild week in the NFL leading up to tonight's Monday night game, which is the Cincinnati Bengals minus Jamar Chase battling the Cleveland Browns minus any sense of hope. But what else is new for Cleveland? 
the first game was live from London, the third and final London game of the year. And boy, was it a barn burner. We sent the two and five Denver Broncos to face the two and five Jacksonville Jaguars. And you know what? The Broncos are three and five. 21 17 victors. Take that, Jacksonville. Jerry Judy had another big game, Dennis. Is he starting to become the go to receiver for the Broncos, or might he end up for another team? Well, the, the last time that this happened, it, it seemed like the Broncos came out and force-fed Cortland Sutton the ball. So this is like after week two or something, week three, then they came out and they peppered him with targets. Unfortunately, this time, he's had a couple games in, in this stretch where he's still getting a good target volume. He just hasn't been converting. Yesterday, he didn't get a get a lot of targets. What did he have? Just Just four. But I think he had nine targets last week and three weeks ago or four weeks ago, he had something like 11. Judy had seven targets. He led the team. He got six for 63. Yeah. So it, it, it hasn't been, um, well, I was talking about Sutton. Oh, Sutton. Yeah, Yeah. He had four. Yeah. And, but the last time that we had, we were in this situation, it's like they came out and force fed Sutton the ball. It seemed like. So if I'm a Judy manager, I'm wondering, are they going to try that again? Uh, but over the last four weeks, let's see, Judy's wide receiver 21 and Sutton is wide receiver 67. And Sutton has had a couple games in that stretch with, close, with either close to double digit or double digit targets. And so he's not converting, whereas uh, Judy is. Now, granted, one of those high volume games for Judy was with uh, Brett Rippon, but I, I do think it's concerning because it would seem like Sutton has a lot of, he's got a skill set that would seem suited for what Russ does. And Judy seems to be the one converting. So right now going into next week, I'm more comfortable starting Judy and then waiting to see what happens with Sutton. Yeah, I think there's two things potentially at play. Judy has been rumored to be on the market, so I get worried that they were trying to pump him up. But also, so in week five, Sutton did get 11 targets, caught five for 74. That was that shit show game against the Colts where I don't think Russell's ball was was very good. But after that, against the Chargers, he had J.C. Jackson all day. And against the Jets, he was covered by Sauce Gardner all day. So... Sutton has been drawing kind of the number one, and I think that has opened up a little more for Judy. I'll be curious to see what happens when, say, they come out of the bye and play Tennessee that doesn't exactly have a shutdown corner because we saw that a little bit with uh, even when they played that game against the 49ers. The 49ers were kind of locking down and smothering him a little bit, but they play Tennessee, the Jets, and Carolina Panthers the next three weeks out of a bye to end November, I would think that it will be more interesting to see what the split is. A, if Judy's still there, um, because there's still a possibility. Judy and, and Chubb seem to be the two Broncos that are most likely to get traded. They're the guys people want. Yeah. On the flip side, uh, Travis Etienne, uh, first game with James Robinson gone, got 24 carries, uh, made the most of it, 156 yards and a touchdown. He also saw uh, three targets, caught all three, but for only six yards. Do you think he's going to continue to see this kind of a workload, and can he hold up under it? 
Well, he's not a little guy. He's six foot and two fifteen or so. So he's he's got the size to be able to handle it. Um, and for me, it comes down to what kind of blocking is he getting? Because he doesn't have terrific vision, and so he has to have a, a good hole. You know, the Jags cleared the runway for him. I expect we're going to have a couple games where he lays an egg. You know, he has you know thirty five yards rushing and catches a couple passes. But by and large, I mean, I, I don't think that um, Jamichael Hasty and Snoop Connor present an awful lot of obstacle to him dominating the running back touches. I, I like where he's at uh, and what what he did last week. Let's see. He is running back six on the week right now. So he's, you know, he, he – they asked and he delivered. Unfortunately, uh, the rest of the team couldn't deliver around him. Yeah, although they did have a lead uh, going into the fourth quarter, and surprisingly, Denver remembered what offensive football is. Uh, in a game that was much more exciting and high paced, the Carolina Panthers traveled to battle the Atlanta Falcons. Falcons held serve and won 37 34 to take sole possession of the AFC South at 4 4, just like we all expected after eight weeks. On uh, Carolina side, Dante Foreman got to carry the load 26 carries, 118 yards, and three touchdowns. Dennis, he's looking pretty good. Is he maybe a better fit for the scheme they want to run? Do you like him moving forward? You know, they like Hubbard. They drafted Hubbard. Um, they gave him some opportunity last year, and while he didn't deliver earth-shattering numbers, he was solid most games as far as production went. Uh, he does have a Hubbard has a little more explosion than Foreman, but Foreman is a he's a big dude, and he runs with power. He has some speed. He can catch the ball, so it'll. It, it, I'll be curious to see if when Hubbard comes back, do they try to work him, him in a little more? Foreman had a 74% touch rate in week eight, but with Hubbard available in week seven, his touch rate was only 58%. So, you know, that's a fairly significant increase. And I don't know if that'll hold. I feel like it's going to dip back down closer to 60 when Hubbard gets back. Uh, just because, you know, Hubbard is better than Spencer Brown and Raheem Blackshear, uh, I do believe. Yeah, and I, this two good games where Foreman's gone over 100 yards in a row, I there might be something about him being more of a straightforward plotter that has made him better for Ben McAdoo's system. I don't know. On the flip side, Dennis, the Falcons, I mentioned, going to first place now in the NFC South. They're 4-4. Four and four. They don't exactly have a – blistering second half schedule they have the chargers and they have the ravens on that schedule but they have three division games then steelers commanders bears and cardinals among their opponents could this team you know we thought the falcons might be one of the worst teams in the nfl could they actually be a playoff team i mean somebody's got to win this division don't they <laughs> it mean, remains to be seen but i suppose somebody's getting in and buying for the one and done uh, from the uh, NFC South. I think it's going to be the the Buccaneers. Uh, but they did air it out. I mean, Mariota threw the ball 28 times. So, you know, that that's something. The running game was a little bit peculiar. 
Uh, Huntley had 16 carries. He led the team in carries, put up 91 yards. Algier had an okay ga- game of 14 for 39. Um, but I just think that the, the team isn't it, – it's got deficiencies in a lot of spots. I mean, they've got two great players in Drake London and uh, uh, Kyle Pitts. If they remember they're on the team. They – well – you know, London had what five targets. Pitts had nine targets this week. So, you know, they're getting there. I mean, they just gotta they've gotta be more consistent in throwing the ball. You can't throw the ball 20 times and expect to um oh who was it? Uh I saw I think it was Luke Sawhook tweeted today that uh oh it wasn't DJ Moore. It was I think Darnell Mooney and somebody else had um lead the NFL in target share. I think it might have it might have been some it might have I don't think it was I mean, Atlanta it, because maybe it, it could was be Atlanta. London. He was getting a ton of targets early in the season. And but the down he said it was he Luke said something to the effect of that it was one of the least valuable stats because here's the two guys that lead in target share, but they're on like the two lowest volume passing offenses in the NFL. And so it really didn't amount to anything. It was a good point. Um, I think it, you know, to me, target share is a, a number that you you have to put it in context. Um, and if it's a super low volume, like 20 passes a game, having a having a 30 or 40 percent target share doesn't mean quite the same as a 25 percent target share at 40 attempts a game. Um, but I just, you know, they. I don't know that they're going to play Ritter, but Mariota is honestly, to me, I was a big, big supporter of him getting another opportunity. Uh, I felt like he he kind of had earned it, but he just isn't delivering, to be honest. And whether that's the game plan that they're running or, I mean, he, he's putting up decent enough fantasy stats because of the running but he's not delivering for the rest of the team. And maybe Cordero Patterson being out is part of the issue for all the, the, you know, the things we want to say about Cordero. He put up great numbers last year uh, with, and that was with Matt Ryan, but this year he's, he's still a a good player and he does the things he does really well. Um, It'll be interesting to see when Patterson gets back, if this offense ticks up a notch. Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't, I think Mariota's been fine. I don't think they're going to pull him. I agree with you. I, part of me just thinks it's going to come down to that week 18 game where it's the Buccaneers and the Falcons and one of those teams is going to the playoffs and one of them isn't. Let's see what Mariota is on the year. Let me update real quick. Oh, he's, he's QB eight in the year. Well, he's been running and doing everything. It just, Atlanta is one of those teams that's more that's competitive and they're they're good in NFL terms, but they've been such a dicey proposition for fantasy. Speaking of sometimes dicey propositions for fantasy and those target share leaders, the Chicago Bears traveled to Dallas and lost 49 to 29. Dennis, I feel like we've talked about this before, but. David Montgomery, 15 carries, 53 yards, 3.5 yards per carry. Khalil Herbert, 16 carries, 99 yards, a touchdown, had a 36-yard run. Seems to give them a lot better pop on offense. Is it time for him to start getting more carries as the David Montgomery era come into an end? 
Well, I don't expect Montgomery to get re-signed. Um, there's talk that uh, Montgomery, now that Roquan Smith has been traded, Robert Quinn has been traded, that the Bears are looking to move uh, David Montgomery. So I think Montgomery is a good enough back. If he goes to a good team that needs a running back, uh, I think he could put up some some decent numbers. He'd be good in Arizona. You know, they need a reliable running back. Uh, James Conner ain't it. And Montgomery is typically healthy. He can catch the ball, good in the passing game when it comes to protection. And, you know, he's got good – awareness and good feet he just doesn't have flat out speed and so he he's good at what he does and i you know i don't know if cliff would pull a move like that but i I saw somebody saying something about sending him to philadelphia you don't need to send him to philly you got miles sanders there (laughs) well that would add to our remember we talked about are all those three of those backs gonna just shuffle around josh jacob but yeah on the uh i I do think that it's probably time to give Herbert a little more run. I mean, what it was a fairly even split. I think Montgomery had what uh, eighteen touches. Herbert had sixteen. Um, you know, depends on what what Herbert can do in the passing game because he didn't he didn't get a target yesterday, uh, but he is currently the better runner. He's breaking off those big runs. The downside of that is those guys who come in and in limited work tend to show that explosive run. Once you start getting them more volume, often that that explosive run kind of disappears. You know, it almost is feeling like the backfield for their opponent, the Cowboys, where we've had uh, Pollard and Zeke. Zeke missed yesterday with injury, and Tony Pollard took advantage, only had to carry it 14 times to get 131 yards and three touchdowns. Dennis, we've seemingly been talking for a couple of years that it could soon be Pollard time. Do you think he could be a feature back for Dallas next year? I mean, if you take away that long run, it was only like 13 carries for 80 yards. Only. <laughs> you know, I was looking at that earlier today. You know, Pollard's going to be an unrestricted free – or no, he's a, a – yeah, he's an unrestricted free agent after this year. Uh, he was a, a not a first-round pick. He's been there four years. Um, he's going to want to go where he's almost guaranteed the starting gig. And Dallas, if they want to cut Zeke after this year, it's going to cost him $11.8 million. Um, I don't think that, you know, Jerry Jones doesn't have an issue eating the money. I just think Jerry Jones loves Zeke so much that I don't know if he can do it. Somebody's going to have to to get in there and be the hatchet man uh, and, and let Zeke go and re-sign Pollard. Pollard's going to go somewhere where they're going to give him starters money. He's probably looking at a three-year contract, maybe four, or three-year with a couple void years added on to the end of it. But he wants to get paid. He's been a good soldier. And whether that's from Dallas, where he knows and is comfortable with the system, or whether it's a, uh, a different team that is looking for a running back, the hard hard thing is that running backs are so devalued in the NFL, and there's a pretty good crop of running backs coming in in next year's rookie class. So it's going to take a, a a team owner that's like, I'm I'm okay not getting one of these rookies. Uh, and there's there's several that I think would be in, in up for doing that. But Pollard looks great. I mean, 
he is catch he catches the ball well. He runs. He's runs the ball well. He's explosive. Um, yeah, I don't know if he's built for twenty five touches a game, uh, week after week after week. That takes a special player. But most teams don't. Uh, they don't feed a running back like that anyways anymore. So I don't know that that even matters. On to our next game. The Miami Dolphins traveled to Detroit and got the 31-27 to victory over the Lions. Dennis, we saw Tyreek Hill again, 12 receptions, 188 yards on 14 targets. Jalen Waddell, 8 receptions, 106 yards, 2 touchdowns on 9 targets. With Tua in the lineup, are both those guys top 12 options every week? Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, they're just so damn explosive. It doesn't... You know, and we we saw it with Drew Brees, who probably to me was one of the closest comps to uh, to Atunga Vailoa. Just not not a big arm, but very very accurate. Not a tall player by any stretch. And Tua tends to he puts up he puts the ball where the the players can make a play after they catch it. And he's got two guys that are great at making plays after they catch it. And they can get deep when they take the occasional shot. And despite both of them being 5'11 or shorter, they both are ball hawks. When it goes up in the air, they can, they can go get it and they fight for it and they'll take it away from you. So I don't have any issues with both of them being considered top 10, top 12 wide receivers. On the flip side for the Lions, they're now 1-6. Jared Goff has hardly been their only or biggest problem. But as the team creeps closer to the end of the season and possibly the top of the draft order, do you think it's possible the Lions will make a move for a franchise quarterback? So, you know, they fired their defensive backs coach today. So they're looking at the defense. The defense, the defense is stinky. Um, you know, they've got a couple guys over there, but they've got to figure it out. What's what are they going to do? I mean, the the offense, the offense is adequate if the defense can keep them in games, we've seen the offense score uh, into the thirties. Um, I don't want to say with ease because it's well, the I've done it like five games, you know, five of their seven games. So, you know, they can score some points. You know, we talked about it on Friday. The thing with golf is you just got to keep pressure off him so that he can, you know, be set. He's not a guy that, can can make things happen when people are falling at his feet. But the Lions have a good offensive line. They've got a couple good running backs, tight end, wide receiver. They've got some weapons on offense. Defense is their issue. That being said, um, you know, if one of these top guys lands in your lap, it, as much as I think they should probably go defense, like if they finish number two, I'm going to be, and they they take Will Anderson. I'm going to be a hundred percent okay with that. If they take Stroud or Bryce Young, I'm going to be okay with that too. But you know, that's not their their weakness. Their weakness is defense. They need playmakers on defense. They need guys that can rush the quarterback. Um, and and if if they want to win sooner, they need to take care of the defense. I mean. We've seen it in the NFL for years. It took Peyton Manning how many years to win a Super Bowl in Indianapolis? 
because they spent all their money on offense and just used the we're going to outscore people method. And he wasted, in my opinion, they wasted a lot of real good opportunities to win multiple titles in Indianapolis because they didn't invest in defense. At least in New England with Brady, Brady was like, hey, we got to pay some defensive guys. We can score a lot of points, but, you know, we play teams that can score a lot of points too. So it's to me, they're going to have to, if they spend all their picks on defense next, next spring, I'm going to be okay with it. If they grab a franchise quarterback, uh, I'm going to be okay with that too. Yeah. I'm kind of in the same boat. I, I actually think Jerry Goff's been pretty decent and we continue to be decent for them. Their biggest problem has been defense and also getting their playmakers to stay healthy. I mean, Swift makes a difference when you can keep him out there. Amon Ross, St. Brown makes a difference. We haven't even gotten to see Jameson Williams. We barely saw DJ Chark. I understand when you bought him out wanting to take one of those top two quarterbacks, but I don't think that solves all of Detroit's problems. On to our next game where the Arizona Cardinals went to Minnesota and fell short 26-34. to 34. It was a pretty much what we expected from the fantasy performers. So I want to ask you about these teams in general. Three and five now for the Cardinals. And we know in the past, Cliff Kingsbury has struggled mightily with his teams on the back half of the season. Should his seat be getting pretty hot? It, it should be. Um, I suppose that the argument can be made well, he didn't have DeAndre Hopkins for the first six games, and that is legit. And Hopkins has been legit since he came back. The dude is a baller. I have uh, several shares in the redraft charity leagues I'm in, and I'm, I'm quite excited about the return of Nuke. Um, that being said, they they have historically faded in the back half of the season, and as we're turning the corner and heading there, I don't know that, a you know, they, the old saying is a leopard doesn't change its spots. And I feel like we may be seeing the end of the Kingsbury era. We, we've seen a little bit of tension between him and Kyler on the sideline. Um, and, you know, while Kyler is putting up good fantasy stats, uh, if you're not winning games, it's only going to get you so far. His extension last year made no sense to me at the time and still doesn't. I I I think they're probably cruising for a change. On the flip side, the Vikings did make a coaching change. They're now 6-1. and one. They're in a three-and-a-half game lead on Green Bay in their own division. And they're looking to be in pretty good shape to get a top seed in the NFC. Should we start taking them seriously as Super Bowl contenders? I think you can take them seriously as Super Bowl contenders. I do think it's going to be tough to get through Philly, though. And it looks like that's where the road to the Super Bowl is going is through Philadelphia. Uh, you know, Philadelphia went out. They got Robert Quinn. They've got Jalen Hurts, who's playing phenomenal, him and A.J. Brown. If Philadelphia stays healthy, uh, I think it's going to be tough to get past them and get to the Super Bowl. Minnesota, with their weapons, has as good a chance as anybody. And their defense is playing pretty well also. So I'll I'll, uh, I'll be keeping my eye, eye on it if I was – you know, off the top of my head right now, Minnesota might be the number two seed in the NFC. They would be the number two seed if it started today. But, you know, I'd say Philly, Dallas, Minnesota, and San Francisco are starting to sort of separate themselves from the pack. I like the Giants, but I'm not sure they have the pieces to carry that out. On to a team that 
gave us perhaps the strangest performance of the day, and that's the Las Vegas Raiders, who traveled into New Orleans and lost 24 to nothing. Dennis, Raiders coming off a bye, their offense just looked lost. We didn't get much of a performance from Adams, Jacobs, or Carr, and Hunter Renfro seems to be kind of the lost man. What is going on with the Raiders? Well, I'll tell you. My grandpa used to say, some days you eat the bear, and some days the bear eats you. And while well, the bear ate Las Vegas yesterday, they just couldn't do anything right. Uh, it, don't you hear that car go by? Yeah. Well, I mean, when Carr throws it 26 times and only gets 101 passing yards, you kind of got to have a moment of pause, right? Yeah. It's a, you know, Jacobs didn't put up, he, he put up okay numbers, 4.3 4, 4. yards per carry, but he just, they were behind and he didn't get any volume. Uh, he caught four or had four targets, caught two passes. Um, but I mean, they, you know, they had to feed Foster Moreau and uh, Mac Hollins, you know, wide receiver one. I don't know, man. It's, I, I think some of it is just maybe Josh Jacobs just needs to get his guys in there. And that's going to take a year or two. Um, but it didn't. It it doesn't seem to. It's not going the way uh, a lot of people expected. It's going the way I expected. Josh McDaniels got his people in there. Jared Stidham threw the ball thirteen times yesterday. On the flip side, Dennis, we've seen you know Andy Dalton supplanted a healthy James Winston this week, and the Saints' offense actually looked good. He seems to have unlocked Kamara in a way that Winston wasn't really getting done. Should he remain the starting quarterback for New Orleans? Yeah, I I think so. He he's playing well and Chris Olave's playing well, Alvin Kamara's playing well. Juwan Johnson has turned into a legitimate threat from the tight end position. This kid Shahid is putting up explosive plays. So you know, I don't think they have the depth to pull off uh any big move towards the playoffs. But they, they have the ability to put up a respectable record um, and then kind of move into salary cap hell. And Dalton, you know, he, he does things. He's he's not the mad bomber like uh, Jameis Winston is. He'll still put up a three or four interception stinker every now and again. Um, but given the way that this team is built uh, – I think right now he gives them a good opportunity to win. I don't think it's a better opportunity than Jameis. It's just a little bit different. It feels less risky is what it feels. Um, And I don't know if that's good or bad. Uh, I think they've got two capable starters at this point, given the quarterback landscape in the NFL. But if it's working, stick with it. Yeah, I do like Dalton's fit better a little bit for this offense. And crazy enough, three and five, they are not out of their division race or the NFC race. Football fans, the first Sunday of the NFL season is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of the NFL season. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. And as an added bonus for week one, everybody can experience the thrill of DraftKings with early win promotion. It's simple. Bet on an NFL team to win, 
If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if the team ends up losing. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN, that is TPPN, and get $200 in free bets instantly. When you place a $5 bet this Sunday, that is code TPPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the descriptions for the episode for details. AFC East battle is our next game up. The New England Patriots headed into New York, and even though I made comments about the Jets being home underdogs, they managed to lose and make me look stupid. Congratulations, New York. The Patriots won 22-17. Dennis, the Patriots' offense remains a mystery week to week, but somehow they're still 4-4 four and four and hanging around in that playoff race. Can they make it work with this offense? Um, For a playoff spot? Sure. Is a Super Bowl contender? No. No, they've got – they just have too many – I don't I don't know if – they don't have too many holes in the team. They have too many holes in the leadership of the team. You know, I, I'm just not buying into – They might have holes in the, the roster too. Yeah, and they do. But, I mean, th- this whole uh, Matt Patricia, Joe Judge offense thing and, and you know, moving – the quarterbacks around when, when one of them struggled, it's, you know, I, I just, there's not good juju going around on the team and we see it um, just about in every era. There's a, a great coach that the game just passes by and Bill has been quite adept at being on the front edge and causing a, uh, the other teams in the NFL to adapt. And it seems like he's trying to push everything back to the smash mouth offense kind of approach and it's not working. And other teams are, you know, flying high and explosive and Bill wants to grind it out with Stevenson and Harris. And, and I, I just don't think that um, I, I just don't think the philosophy's working It'll be interesting to see what adjustments he makes in the offseason. You know, does he bring back Charlie Weiss? I don't know, you know, but Weiss was a pretty good offensive coordinator for him. Uh, I mean, I think not, he's, I think Weiss he's is just playing be out the string until he can go. get uh, Josh McDaniels back. Yeah. But now I, uh, I just think that the team is going to have some competitive games. They're going to have some stinkers that they don't play you know they they don't have an all-time kind of defensive roster to be able to cover up for the offensive shortcomings on the flip side the jets uh traded for james robinson and then proceeded to uh, run the ball uh 14 times with three running backs while they let zach wilson throw it 41 times the beneficiary there was garrett wilson who saw seven targets caught six of them for 115 yards do you like garrett wilson going forward is he starting to develop some chemistry with zach i mean zach wilson's a hot freaking mess um he he i don't i get you believe that you can throw the ball you know through a tornado or whatnot but man, he gets to running around and he's it's not like he has, you know, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray mobility. 
He's got a little bit of athleticism. He doesn't have the type of size that, say, Josh Allen has. So when he's trying to run around, he can't just shake some of these people off. He needs to get the ball out. He's much more effective when he's not holding on to the ball. He's getting rid of it. My concern is that next week, Corey Davis could be back and he could get 11 targets and, and Garrett Wilson could get three. It, uh-huh. I don't, I don't, I need to see more consistency with the players in that offense. Uh, whether that's, you know, a 60 40 split pass run and we, we get a feel for who's going to get the touches. Uh, on a consistent basis, who's going to get the opportunities. They've got some talented playmakers. Uh, They just don't know how to use them yet. Yeah, well, we know who's not going to get the targets, and that's Elijah Moore. Well, and the other thing that, you know, I I guess some of the defense that can be made, though, is their offensive line is a shambles. They, They had some really good offensive linemen go down before the season started, and they've been trying to piece it together with the ghost of Dwayne Brown and some other guys, and and while the effort's there, the, the, the ability isn't anymore, and I think that that's hampering the development as well. And so, oddly enough, the Jets 5-3 and three on the season, 1-3 and three at home, all their losses at home. Uh, next up is the battle for Pennsylvania as the Pittsburgh Steelers travel to play the Philadelphia Eagles, who won 35-13 to remain the league's only unbeaten team at 7-0. Dennis Najee Harris tried to do it all. He threw a pass for four yards. He got eight carries, managed to turn that into 32 yards, and caught six passes for 26 yards. Still, what are we doing with Najee Harris? Running back two, flex territory? He can't possibly be a, a top 12 option for you anymore, right? Yeah, I, you know, given where he was likely drafted, you, you pretty much probably have to start him unless you went robust running back um, and had a couple of your later uh, wide receivers have popped off pretty good. Uh, you know, Harris has some skill. The offensive line is bad. Uh, they're playing a rookie quarterback that maybe doesn't figure things out quite as quick as some of the veteran quarterbacks did. And he's, he's not getting a, a, a ton of opportunity in the passing game. Um, he did have six targets yesterday, which probably a season high, if I remember correctly. Um, so the potential is there. A lot of it's going to come down to the growing pains that Kenny Pickett has to go through, but they're playing one of the best teams in the NFC in the Philadelphia Eagles. And the Eagles going out and getting Robert Quinn, their defense is only going to get better. Uh, Jalen Hurts is having a phenomenal year. The the match with him and A.J. Brown. And while Devontae Smith didn't have a terrific game yesterday uh, when it comes to fantasy production, what did he have? Uh, five catches for 23 yards. You know, the running game is good in Philadelphia. They've got a really balanced team offensively and defensively. They're 8-0 for a reason. Um, So I'm not going to read a whole lot into it. I don't think a lot of people, unless you're a diehard Steeler fan, you weren't expecting much of in the way of a victory here yesterday. So you take your lumps, you move on. Uh, it's It's the first rebuilding season in Mike Tomlin's career. And they need to probably lean into it a little bit. On the flip side, you know, we mentioned the Eagles are 7-0, and the NFL's only undefeated team. And we're about that time of year where the talk starts. Remaining schedule 
at the Texans, home for the Commanders, at the Colts, home for the Packers, home for the Titans, at the Giants, at the Bears, at the Cowboys, home for the Saints, home for the Giants. Not a cupcake schedule with a couple of those teams, but not a murderer's row schedule either. So what are the chances the Eagles can go undefeated? I mean, it's well within the range of outcomes. It's just so hard to do in a 17-game season, uh, especially as it gets a little bit later in the year. Now, Philadelphia has an offense that if the passing game isn't working because of Hertz's ability to run, they can do some things on offense to manufacture a grinded-out kind of game. Um, you know, the Bears traded away probably two of their three best players in the past week. <clears throat> so when they face them in week 15, uh, it's it's going to be fairly easy. The Packers, you know, the downside with the Packers is typically we would think, well, Aaron Rodgers is going to be able to get something done. Uh, I don't think this is the year Aaron Rodgers can pull a rabbit out of his hat. Houston, the Commanders, the Colts. The Titans, uh, those should all be fairly easy victories. I think the Giants may give them some trouble, but in the end, I don't think the Giants have the wide receivers to be able to hang with with, uh, Darius Slay and James Bradbury. Uh, And the same for the Saints. So if if I were going to bet, if you gave me, you know, the option is, you know, 50-50, they do or they don't. I think there's more than a 50% chance that they can go undefeated the rest of the way. Um, But it's, like I said, there there seems to always be one week. And and a lot of that's going to be predicated on them staying healthy. Uh, Yeah. The one I'm watching for is uh, Dallas, which comes on the road at the end of three consecutive weeks on the road. And since they had an earlier bye, they would basically have to win 11 weeks in a row to finish undefeated, which is a tough stretch. I think they'll end up losing one or two, but they're still going to be a high seed and they're still going to be a a hell of a team. Uh, The Tennessee Titans traveled to Houston and got a ho-hum 17-10 victory. Dennis... Derrick Henry and Dontrell Hilliard killed it on the ground, but most people were interested to see Malik Willis, who some had thought could be the number one quarterback taken in the draft, wasn't, didn't end up going till the third round, made his first start. And you know what? Somebody said he looked like a rookie coming out of Liberty University, throwing 10 times, completing six for 55 yards and an interception and rushing five times for 12 yards. What did you think of the Malik Willis experience? Well, I don't think the Malik Willis era has started. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, I don't think Ryan Tannehill is sweating right now. Right. It's it's you know, players need to develop, and I get that he's got some exceptional traits, um, but when you play very low level competition that you that that doesn't have the resources to put up complicated schemes against you and you're clearly the best player on the field week after week after week after week. Um, I, you know, it takes a while for that to transition to the NFL. You know, here in Columbus, we hear all the time with, with the Buckeyes, everybody that comes into the Buckeyes was the star of their team. 
and some of them come here and they expect to be a big deal. And they're like, they don't even like Justin Zwick was the, I think the highest rated quarterback coming out the year he came to Ohio state and he had to sit behind somebody. And then when it was his turn to take over, Troy Smith just outplayed him. Troy Smith came in as an athlete and a three-star and just outplayed him and took the job. Zwick, to his credit, stayed, finished college, went on to a successful business career here locally, is involved in local media. Well, Malik Willis has the ability to do things that Justin Zwick couldn't, and so Malik now is in the NFL, but it's going to take some time. He, he's not ready, and the fact that Tennessee, you know, I'm not saying Colt McCoy is your savior, or, or Brandon Allen, or, you know, Chris Streveler, or any of these guys. But all those people, to me, were much more, would have been better options than running Malik Willis out there yesterday. I think they just wanted to see what they had, and they knew that the Texans couldn't stop a running back to save their lives, so they were going to be fine. On the, on the flip side for the Texans, you know, Damian Pierce gets a receiving touchdown late in the fourth quarter to kind of salvage his day. But what is this team's offensive philosophy? They seemingly, in, a, in what was a pretty close game, went away from their best player, Damian Pierce, only gets 13, 15 carries. When they had the ball for turnover down around the 11, they didn't let Pierce touch it at all. What are they doing? You know, sometimes coaches just outsmart themselves. They have coaches um, in Houston? Based on based on the production uh, Pierce was putting up, they probably just didn't feel like they were going to be able to get it done against the Tennessee line, and so they were trying to throw the ball. You know what? Thirty passes. So they only ran forty eight plays on offense total because Derrick Henry was grinding up clock. So it was. Well, it seems a little bit unbalanced. To me, the the game just sometimes the game script goes away that you just can't control it. And when you've got a person like Derrick Henry on the other side, he just can dominate the ball. And he did yesterday. Thirty two. I mean, he had a he had more carries than the the despite the fact we're like wow Houston was throwing the ball. He had more carries than Houston had pass attempts. Houston's offense is a dumpster fire. Speaking of dumpster fires, the Los Angeles Rams returned from a bye and uh, managed to soak up a 31 to 14. Did they? Yeah, not not quite. Managed to soak up a 31 to 14 loss to the 49ers, who now swept the season series and moved to four and four, vaulting ahead of them in the standings. Dennis Christian McCaffrey, full week of practice, turned out to be a good thing. He threw the ball once for 34 yards and a touchdown to Brandon Ayuk. He carried the ball 18 times for 94 yards and a touchdown of his own. And he also caught the ball eight times for 55 yards and a gorgeous touchdown in the corner of the end zone. So is there anything Christian McCaffrey can't do? Uh, You know, on the way home, he rescued or turned over bus and stopped at a, and got all the people off safely and then stopped to fill his car up with gas and delivered a baby in the parking lot to a woman that had went into labor early. So, no, there is nothing that he cannot do. He even managed to make Kyle Shanahan look like a real coach. On the uh, 
I'm just kidding. Kyle Shanahan's okay. On the flip side, the Rams started. He's no Nathan Hack, Nathaniel Hackett, though. I never pretend he's a real coach, nor do I pretend Josh McDaniels is a coach. Uh, I would I would take Kyle Shanahan in a New York minute over Denver's options. Uh, the Rams didn't look terrible to start the game. You know, we got a good old rushing touchdown from Matthew Stafford, which happens once in a blue moon. Uh, even though he managed negative rushing yards on the day, still got that rushing TD for you. They managed to get a TD to Cooper Cup, who also left with a little bit of an injury. Allen Robinson saw a few targets. Tyler Higby dropped a few open balls. What do the Rams need to turn it around? I mean, Ronnie Rivers was their leading rusher yesterday, eight carries for 21 yards. This seems like a grim sign. Uh, They need to trade for David Montgomery. I was thinking they need to trade for Kareem Hunt. Yeah. Well... You know, they have enough winnable games left that they could probably get to nine wins, maybe ten wins. I don't know if that's enough to get them in the playoffs. But, you know, they should be able to, to you know, the way Tampa's playing, I think they're going to be in that one, and they have a good chance to win it. Same with Arizona. The Saints, the Chiefs, are, they're probably not going to win. Seahawks is going to be a winnable game. The Raiders are winnable. Packers, the Broncos. Chargers will probably be tough. They then the Seahawks again. So they have they they can get to nine ish. You know they pull six or seven wins out of the last you know nine games here. Um, but they're starting to get a little. I, I don't know. The the luster is worn off. Things aren't going quite the way they wanted them. And it comes down to you know Andrew Whitworth retiring. Uh, I think they lost another offensive lineman from last year. Their offensive line just isn't there. It's the same thing that's happening with Brady losing all of his interior line. If you don't have a good offensive line, you need to have a quarterback that can get out there and scoot. And despite rushing for a touchdown, Stafford's not that guy. Yeah, next week's going to be fun. I'll call it the Depression Bowl as the Rams and Buccaneers battle each other. The loser might end up being a long shot for the playoffs. On to our next battle, which I like to call the Carson Wentz Bowl. Carson Wentz's current team, the Commanders, get the 17-16 win over his former team, the Colts. Dennis Taylor Heineke comes in, gets his second straight win, uh, had a pretty good passing day, actually led the team in rushing. I call it the Carson Wentz Bowl. Are we going to see Carson Wentz back for the Commanders? I think we are. Um, To me, well... Wentz certainly has his shortcomings. Um, Heineke does too. I, I mean, Heineke is dollar store fits magic. I mean, that's literally, that's his approach to things. He's a YOLO ball. You know, John Hansen on Sirius XM calls him hospital ball Heineke because he's hanging his receivers out to get their heads knocked off. Um, he, he's, a, he's, he's a guy you want to come in and emerge in an emergency is your backup and get you through the game. He's not a guy you want to come in and start six or seven games. He'll get exposed. He doesn't, you know, he isn't taking that Geno Smith step. Uh, he just, I don't just don't think he has that in him. I think that's, what's going to lead to, to Wentz. But honestly, to me, I'd like to see him give a shot to Sam Howell and see speaking of seeing what you got. Give Howell a shot, but you know they're four and four, so theoretically they're you know competitive still and have an opportunity. 
they're not out of it. And I think that's almost what it might take to see how, but I'm with you. We, we went through this with Heineke last year, you know, for like first half of the season, you're like, Oh, this could be their franchise quarterback. And then you watch the rest of the season play out and you're like, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> On the flip side, the Colts wanted to see what they had in Sam Ellinger. What did you see? You know, I didn't see a lot of this game. Um, <laughs> you saved yourself. You know, he got the ball to Pittman and Pierce. Seemed like he was willing to give them some opportunities. Pittman had five targets. Pierce had nine. Uh, neither one of them put up a boatload of yards, but he was getting it to him. Uh, he seems like, you know, he lost a fumble, low-volume pass numbers. It just was – they they're looking to – put him in a position to not make mistakes. And I I think that they're, they're not going to give him a long leash to, you know, go out there and be Taylor Heineke. Um, You know, they're going to, they're, they're playing to see like, can this guy manage games and not fuck up? That's what, that's what we need. They're, they're looking at it like going, we have enough pieces that we can maybe be competitive uh, but we just got to not not screw it up. Can this guy not screw up? I don't think that that's the case. I think they need to go uh, and probably get somebody else. But, you know, the Pickens we'll are see what Foles has. I, mean, we've I don't know. Foles. Foles ain't the guy. Well, so I maintain if the Colts, the Colts keep saying they're still trying to compete this year. I don't think this was a move to compete this year. I get if you want to see, well, you haven't seen a Mellinger if you're giving up, but I think it's very possible. There's a whole regime change there in Indy. Uh, the New York giants went into Seattle to play the first place Seahawks. Seahawks still in first place, come away with the 27 to 13 victory. Dennis, we've talked about it a few times. These Giants are plucky, but they're they're lacking in playmakers. And as much as you and I had hoped Kenny Galladay might be the guy, do the Giants need to try to get a wide receiver before the deadline if they want to make the make a run in the playoffs? I think they do. Um, you know, if they could go out and get a guy, I know that Houston's like we won't listen to anything that doesn't involve a second round pick for Cooks. I, I get that it makes That's zero what... sense given the market. Yeah, and and so you know, if, if you can get a fourth or fifth for Cooks, you know, you need to grab. I mean, he's what 29, 30 years old now. It's not like his his uh, value is going to keep going up. And frankly, Houston, you haven't done a whole lot to boost his value either. Um, to me, they you know, Wandale has potential. Slayton is. Unless he takes some sort of massive step, he's kind of a one-trick pony, um, and he's got questionable hands. You know what, Marcus Johnson and David Sills, journeyman at best. Lor- I mean, Lawrence Cager, for God's sakes, got a target yesterday. I know he just moved from the Jets to the Giants for you. Yeah, didn't even have to change apartments. No, you know they 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 need passing weapons. Um, which Luton makes it Collins. ironic that they traded Kadarius Tony. <laughs> you know, sometimes sometimes things just don't work out. You know, I, I think they're going to be plucky, maybe even make the playoffs. 
you know, but I think Dayball's looking around and he's going, look, we're going to make whatever run we can. Um, I'm going to motivate these guys and maybe we perform, maybe we don't. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of questions around the Giants. Like, I don't know how much they want to go all in on this year because that Galladay contract looks terrible. And both Jones and Barkley had their deals coming up at the end of this year. So it's it's fair to wonder, you know, would they be leery of going all in with so many questions potentially about the big pieces on offense? Yeah, I mean, they're going to – the team is going to be different next year. You know, the, the new GM Dayball, they're going to go get their guys. Uh, before we get to the Seahawks, we got a question. What do you guys think about trading away cook? I assume you mean Dalvin cook and Alvin Kamara for Adams, uh, probably Devonte Adams and ATN or even cook and Madison for Adams. Uh, if it's, redraft i if it's redraft i'm not making that trade because i feel like cook and kamara are outscoring whatever's happening with adams and i'm with you i don't trust atn i actually wouldn't do that in dynasty or redraft yeah definitely a no in dynasty um well in dynasty i guess if you've got cook and kamara and it's dynasty a 30-year-old wide receiver and an iffy run. I, I want I want at least a, a first-round pick in the mix there somewhere. Maybe a first and a second in the mix there somewhere. In redraft, if you think you're if you're really weak at, at wide receiver and you think Adams is the answer, I don't hate it. I just don't think that Adams in Las Vegas has shown us that he's the answer. I think yeah. I think you're you're gonna need Cook and Kamara are playing well enough that you can aim higher than buying Adams, you know, 2020 season. Dennis, for the Seahawks, you know, going into the season, Geno Smith, the starting quarterback, we kind of thought this was just a bridge or maybe a little bit of a joke, but he's looked pretty decent. This team's five and three and in first place. Could he actually be the long-term answer here in Seattle? Define long-term. Three and he's 32 years. years old, is he? 31? Two to four years. Uh, he, he just turned 32. You know, and there's a reason he only played, not started, only played 15 games in the last six seasons. You know, I don't think he's your franchise quarterback. He is not your long-term answer. He is Cinderella's pumpkin carriage and midnight's coming. I like what Gino's doing, and I love the redemption story. It's great for this year, and I think you ride it for as much as you can get out of it this year. But if in Dynasty, as soon as you're out, you need to move him and get yourself a pick. In redraft, you you know, ride him till the wheels fall off. And and because they invariably will with Gino, yeah. I mean, there's there's too much history, um, but I mean, no, he's not the long term answer. I could see though, given the quarterback market and where Seattle finds themselves, um, him being there for a couple more years. He's 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 a pleasant surprise. Happy to help, help you there. Me. 
On to our last game of the night, Sunday night football, where the Bills were 10.5-point favorites. And gosh I wish I had to watch the Colts. You wish you'd watch the Colts? Oh, no. I can't believe the Packers covered the spread here. Uh, but the Bills get the 27-17 to win uh, thanks to a kind of middling second half for, for – uh, Josh Allen, who threw two curious interceptions. Uh, but we'll start with the Packers first. Dennis, the Packers actually seem to get their offense going when they remember that Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon are on their roster. Could uh, focusing on the run game be the key to maybe a little bit of success in turning this around? I mean, that's what us fantasy analysts have been pounding the table on all season long. Seemingly, that's what Aaron Rodgers keeps saying he wants too. So, you know – They've got some receivers that can make some plays. And they just need to take the pressure off those receivers. And they have a tendency to call, you know, they they are calling too many pass plays. And that's putting the pressure on the receivers to carry the team, which is what Rodgers does as a quarterback. But that's not the strength of the team this year. The strength is is Jones and Dylan. Yesterday, Dylan five point four yards a carry. Uh, Jones, I don't even know what it was. He had 100, seven point two, one hundred and forty three yards on twenty carries. Yeah. Uh, but Jones also caught four passes. Dylan yeah. caught a pass. It's you know those guys need to be. They need to get into that grinder mentality. They can wear teams down with those two running backs, and they've got a couple good tight ends they can add in there. I know they've, you know, Bakhtari wasn't healthy a lot of the season. Elton Jenkins has been out, so they've had some uh, offensive line issues. The defense plays hard. It's a pretty good defense. They can make some plays, but they've got to get. They they need to find a way to let the receivers. Uh, develop. They're force feeding it, and I and I get that. That's what that, that's what they may think they need, but man, they need to hammer it a little more and just just grind those other teams down. Some. Yeah, I mean, I've been saying for weeks, Aaron Jones is the best part of their team. They got to put the ball in his hands. On the flip side, it wasn't a great second half for Josh Allen, but the Bills are seemingly cruising now, six and one. Is it? Is he a front runner for MVP? Is it kind of him and Jalen Hurts right now separating themselves? I think so. I'm. I mean, it's you know, it's a quarterback award, and uh, I mean, so not he's, wrong. He's having a phenomenal year. Uh, Hurts is too. Hurts has taken a massive step. Uh, you know, the, the Bills—they're probably the best team in the league right now. Philadelphia is probably the second best. So as long as they keep executing, I to be honest, when I watched the way they played yesterday, I Devin Singletary looked phenomenal. I mean, I would have loved to have seen him get 20 carries. He got 14, but he was breaking off some big chunks of yardage. Um, and it would have been a great game to, to just kind of see him, see what he could do. Uh, Running the ball. I mean, the downside. I get it. They're He's, kind of getting a one-two punch with him and Cook, though. Yeah, and and but both those guys are small, so I, I get the the reluctance to to give the either one of them a, a ton of work. That and then you know you've got Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis 
uh, and Isaiah McKenzie and Khalil Shakir and Dawson Knox to throw the ball to. So uh, there's certainly a, there's certainly some appeal there that, uh, you know, teams like say the Packers don't have. I don't know, Dennis. I'm starting to come back around that I was a year too early calling my uh, Bills Cowboys Super Bowl. I want that that '90s matchup. I know. Yeah, <laughs> I see the expression. Well, uh, tonight we will get an AFC North battle. Uh, the Bengals and the Browns should be kicking off here shortly. I took the Bengals. I think you did too uh, when we previewed that on Friday. We did, but. Uh, Matt and I presumably will be back on Wednesday looking at that game and looking ahead to Thursday night football, the epic battle between the powerhouse Philadelphia Eagles and the powerhouse Houston Texans. Um, So if you have movie plans or I will be at Universal Studios, I'm not going to feel too bad about missing uh, missing that one. Yeah, that may be a uh, Gardner Minshew game. God. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for today because there's nowhere to go but up. But Dennis, what should the people do if they have a few moments? Give us a rate and a review. Go out there on your favorite podcast platform. Rate us, review us, subscribe, download, listen, don't listen. You know, we, we just honestly, we're just trying to get the numbers. We appreciate you. Thanks for listening. If Captain Jorts gets in on Thursday, does it start? Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your pop on there. Who can make a break? I can't. Who can make a break?